Welcome to the Deuces, episode 22 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and er, not Dan Humphrey today. Dan's got no internet. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes. After being a great teammate and to be a part of the community. That's why our premier tier two hockey league welcomes youth players ages five to 18 years old to join our nationally flouted program with reasonable fees, transparency, and an athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. We are here to coach our players for success, both on and off the ice. Well, Jay, last week we had the opportunity to sit down with Middlebury Panthers forward Emac Bentley. Emac talked to us about his uh, coming up in hockey uh, here in uh, Cleveland area in Ohio and how he used hockey as a vehicle to get to college and begin to carve out his future. I found it tremendously, uh, I, I guess the word mature, that Emac chose a school to play hockey at. He didn't choose hockey to go to school. 100%. I mean, his whole, his whole avenue, his whole career path to this point, calling it admirable is an understatement. I mean, more times than not, you have people that choose to go somewhere to play hockey to keep that dream going, and, and I 100% understand it, and I 100% get it. Emac sat here with us, and he flat said, I was choosing a place of education that had hockey he used it like we said there as a vehicle to create his his future career and that's that's what you want that's what you strive for and that's it was a great conversation with him last week or two weeks ago really yeah two weeks ago you're right i i misspoke i said last week but it was two weeks ago we took the holiday week off um no but you're right The, the the to listen to him talk about his decision you know was just as more just as interesting to listen to his um the way that he got to where he was today playing for the Barons then going on and playing for many teams uh, in the uh, uh, junior ranks. Then we went to Neville Island, Pennsylvania, and sat down with two members of the Robert Morris Colonial Hockey Team, Aiden Spellacy and Quinn Wormuth. Both players took us through their careers and spoke to us about the importance of giving your best effort every time out there. Two different routes to get to the same goal and two very impressive young players. It was good to talk to both those young men, wasn't it, Jay? Both uh, Aiden and Quinn, and and to really, as, as we talked about, to really see their different routes to uh, where they're at today. I think that it was just a great listen. I mean, for for twenty one episodes now, all right, say let's say twenty episodes, we've spoken to uh, recruiters. You know, be it at the pro level, be it at the college level, be it at the junior level, and getting their feedback on, on what they're looking for and, and all the facets that, that they use or all the, all the things they use to find that player that best fits their program. Well, we got a chance to talk to, talk to all three of them really uh, two weeks ago that told us what they learned in the recruiting process. 
And to listen to Aiden, who didn't even know Robert Morris was watching him, to listen to Quinn go through, what, like five different junior teams before landing his opportunity coming out of Johnstown and, and the paths they took and what they did at each location, what, what they did every, every step of the way to make sure that they presented themselves well. And it was just a great, great listen for, for young hockey players, for, for, young, for people in general, just to get an idea from a player's perspective, what goes into getting yourself seen and recruited. Yeah, the story that he told about uh, he had no idea that the college was even there looking at him was was pretty uh, profound. And 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 hopefully our young listeners that that do listen to us that say you know maybe today I just don't feel like it. I'm just I'm tired or whatever it may be. Well, who who knows going to be sitting in the stands? And I know we've talked about this before. You know, in today's world, you don't know if it's going to be your last game. You don't know if it's going to be your last time doing something. Not not just because of you know the typical stuff that goes on in our world, but now with everything else. So. Just don't know, but it was a good talk. I'll tell you what, Quinn Wormuth, five, I believe five different junior teams, Jay. Yeah, Is that what he so. went to? Yeah, I think I believe so. I mean, on the road again, right there. That kid, <laughs> right? Well, if it were, if they were passport stops, the book's full, man. Oh my gosh. And but you know what? It got him it got him to where he wanted to be. Yeah, and that's for awesome. Sure. For sure. And I and I think that's also important to know and, and listen to because just because it doesn't work out at one spot, that doesn't mean that it's not gonna work out somewhere else. Well, not yeah. to jump, not to jump back to Emac too. He even said when he started his junior career, he started it in a tier three level, and he knew that wasn't where he wanted to be. But as the coaches and, and talked to him, and and they decided as a group, maybe this isn't where you want to be. But let's use this step as a stepping stone to move on. And so maybe right now isn't where you want to be, wherever you are in your careers. Well, you do the best you can. As, as a, a, a college coach told us, be the best at where you're at before you move on. And I think all three of those guys did that successfully and admirably. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, this week, uh, going to be a really interesting show. Strap it up, strap it up boys. Uh, we sit down with the president of the Team Ohio Hockey Organization, Mr. Patrick Metzger. This ought to be an interesting talk, Jay. Yeah. We're going to talk to him about his coming up in hockey, how he and why he saw the need to create the Team Ohio franchise, um, and not really create it, but recreate it yeah. from uh, Russ Dice, uh, who started it years and years ago, uh, and, and how is he improving hockey in and around Cleveland area. Uh, then, then we're going to head to the Glass City, T-Town, Sylvania, Ohio, to be exact, and we'll sit down with the head coach of the Northview Wildcats, Mr. Steve Elliott. Coach Elliott has taken the helm of a storied program and has continued to, to be pushing forward, keeping the program a success. When we talk to Coach uh, Elliott, uh, I'm going to pull up some numbers for our listeners. to, to uh, When they hear about the, the runs that Northview has in the state tournament over and over and over again, it is insanely impressive. And it doesn't matter, and, and no disrespect to Coach Elliott, but it was done with Coach Elliott. It was done with the coaches before. That program has a has a, a drive to win, and they win in February and March. Right when it's important. I mean, Coach was a assistant on all those on on the bulk of the the success that they had when they when they were just rattling, and he was an assistant with that. And now that at the helm, they haven't missed a beat. No, continually successful, 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 and we're going to try to find out why. 
Yeah, that's right. We are going to find out why. Uh, another jam-packed, fun-filled show. Let's see how the week off treated everybody. Well, we know how it treated Danny. Yeah. Danny's a, Danny's a new homeowner. He's had <laughs> toilet issues. Now he has internet issues. I, I love it. I love it. Hey, well, I want to buy a house. Let's buy a house. Being a homeowner should be fun. Let's do it. I think I th- he's in the money pit right now, Jay. I, I think that the, uh, the, 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 what do they call that? The, uh, with the the pilot the pilot episode of uh, DIY Danny is on hold. Uh, I do believe uh, when they were wheeling around uh, chainsaws, they may have cut the internet feed. So we hope to have Danny back shortly. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna need him back because uh, me and technology is not working out the best. But it still says it's recording, so it's a bonus right now. How was well, your week, my friend? You How was you your and week, te- you and technology is a hell of a lot better than me and technology. So <laughs> at least we're doing somewhat better there. Uh, my week was, my week was good. You know, it's been, it's been interesting, uh, where I work, we're, we're getting the kids back. We had orientations last week and it was a good couple of days of orientation. It was nice to see all the kids. Um, our freshmen come in this week and, uh, and then classes start full. So it was good. It was, uh, uh, nothing, honestly, nothing seemed different. Um, seemed like fairly normal school days. Uh, the only thing that seemed different was uh, how tired I was at night. Cause now, Getting back to work full time uh, with the students is a little rough. Yeah, it's a little different. I'm sure. Um, I I had a nor- another normal week of just work and doing whatever. And you know, one thing I noticed was I am in uh, I'm I am in the trades, and oftentimes we will go to uh, restaurants, cafes, uh, greasy spoon locations to get a bite to eat, right? And, and I miss that atmosphere. I miss so, so like, like the diners. Yeah, like the diners. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a couple. There's a good one on uh, in uh, city of Cleveland Lakewood area called Joe's Deli, and uh, no free ads. There's uh, there's Cafe Stratos in North Olmsted. That's a good spot. You get some extra tzatziki sauce. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but you know what I like about it. I'm, I'm a big people person watcher. Some will call it a creep. It's okay. I'm, I want to learn, right? So I'm just checking people out. I do a lot less talking and a lot more listening. And and I miss those people. You know, there was a there was a guy uh, going in there so much you get to learn a lot of the same faces because it's a lunchtime crowd. There was a guy. His name was Ron. Ronnie D, right? That's what we called him, Ronnie D. I don't know if he's really a D, but he was Ronnie D, right? But was so, his, his, his name was Ron, though, right? Yeah, his name was Ron, 100% Ron. And uh, it was just easier to go, hey, I saw Ronnie D at the place today, you know? And and Ronnie's a guy, he's like, he's 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 that hardworking guy, you know? And, and he has a little bit of a twang to his voice. I know we were, we were throwing some uh, accents out last week, but Ronnie D comes at you like this, you know what I mean? A little bit like that. He's almost a hard-charged New York kind of guy, right? And you, you obviously get to see the personnel that work at the establishments. And there's a lady named, named uh, Dolores. And Dolores was the waitress. Phenomenal gal. Dynamite gal. Serves it up with a smile every day. She could be having the worst day possible. Your food's coming out good. She's coming out with a smile. Well, Ronnie, this is what I like about going to the Greasy Spoon Diners, right? Ronnie knew her from a lot, way back, I guess. And Ronnie loves to drink coffee. Like like he like he knew her just from going there so much. Yeah, yeah, from go from going there so okay. much. He, he chats okay. he chats it up with everybody. He'll talk to the cooks through the window. Doesn't matter what he's doing, right? So Ronnie, I remember this one time specifically because I just passed by the location the other day, and obviously I could not go in. They're doing takeout only right now, and so I remember Ronnie D sitting in there, and he's like, <laughs> and and, and, he, and he looks at Dolores. He goes, Hey D, where's my cup of sanka? 
he's you know, drinking he's a, Sanka. He's, a, he's an instant coffee guy. So I didn't know they still serve that. I, I don't drink coffee, but you, you pay attention, you learn things, right? So Ronnie D wants his Sanka. So, you know, hey, D. I mean, he calls her D. That's a Ronnie D thing. What do you think Ronnie D did for a living? I've heard rumors, uh, you know, and just talking to Dolores, I, I've heard that, you know, we, we would ask because Ronnie's a little boisterous. He's a little, you know, rambunctious, to be honest with you. I think Ronnie was in the jewels, like he sold the jewelry, <laughs> right? And, like, and I'm not like I'm out not, of a store or out of his trunk. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. Knowing Ronnie in a little bit that I do, I, I think he did some like managerial work at like uh, like a plant facility, but he also had some sort of jewelry business on the side. And I don't know if it was like, you know, behind gated walls or some stuff like he was running diamonds. I don't know what he was doing, but Ronnie. Right, did, right. So you know, basically, we, we can go. We can call him Ron the Jeweler. Ron the, Ron, jeweler. Ron the jeweler. So there was Ron the Jeweler, and there was <clears> Dolores, <throat> the, the server, and the waitress, and 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 hats off to Dolores because she's still plugging away over there at Joe's and doing her thing. And I hope the sink is warm for you, Ronnie D. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even know that they made that uh, instant coffee anymore. I guess there's a, a, a niche for it somewhere, right? <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I went. I, I went. I went to the uh, um, gardening today, Jay, and I decided Ooh. I was gonna. You know, the good Irish guy that I am, I decided I was gonna make homemade sauce. Ooh, did you know? Yeah. Did you, so, did you, did you throw a neck bone in there for Joey P? So, a neck bone? No, I didn't throw a neck bone in there for Joey the pepperoni, but um i because i didn't have a neck bone okay and and obviously you know my current situation i can't go get the neck bone so yes 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 a lot of places um, closed yeah right so uh so i i started off with the tomatoes off the vine went out there and picked about 15 tomatoes i boiled them i, I skinned them put them in there put the you know i shaved the garlic down so thin it almost like melted oh yeah that's you beautiful know, yeah 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 i added a little red wine to mine though yes i like where that's going what yeah. kind of wine did you use I use, Cabernet. I use the cab. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of sweetness to it. I, like I use, it. I use the cab. So it's sitting, it's it's still sitting on the stovetop, simmering. So yeah. it's sim, it's been simmering since eleven a.m. And for our listeners, it's currently five o'clock. So we got we're on a six-hour simmer. And again, I, I'm not here looking for advice. So if you're gonna tweet out and say you're gonna burn the sauce, you're gonna burn whatever, that's fine. That's okay. Hey, you gotta learn somehow, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So. See, I went, uh, I went picking uh, this morning and decided with all these tomatoes I was going to make some sauce. That's nice. I don't know what, what I'm going to use what it for. What do they call it? They reduce it down? Is that what the, the, the boiling, the simmering does? Yeah, reduce it down. It thickens it up a little bit, and okay. uh, we'll see what happens. What else goes into the sauce? Garlic, wine, basil from the garden, mm-hmm. oregano. Um, this recipe I used today had a little soy sauce in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, get, get a little uh, onions. Um, those onions, they literally just like, they just melt down. Um, nice. actually funny story. I was talking to Joey, the pepperoni the other day. And for our listeners, we have a friend, Joey, the pepperoni, um, who does a lot of cooking. He went to culinary school and whenever we would need to do some cooking, we'd always call Joey, the Joey, the P or Joey, the pepperoni. And he would, uh, you know, either do it for us or if we we're out somewhere or we're at the islands or whatever at the uh, cottage. Um, so he asked me the other day. He was doing something. Oh, he was sweating some uh, onions down. He's like, I use butter and, and olive oil. He's like, you want to know why I use them both, Tim? And I'm like, well, because then the butter doesn't burn because oil has a higher smoke intensity. He goes, I- I've taught you well, young man. I've taught you well. <laughs> the pee. <laughs> Joey the pee. 
<clears throat> so yeah, so that that's that's what I did. But uh, looking forward to a good good week uh, of school and, and having the students come in and uh, go from there. Speaking of school, school is in session, but in whatever fashion it can be, whether it's remote, hybrid, or all in. But time to hit the books and learn from the digest what's making news in the world of hockey today. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Go to www.teamohio.com to learn more about the premier tier two program for players ages five through 18, including the defending national champions at the U18 level. The Digest is looking for social media intern to help with the post-production and marketing of the on-air podcast. If you like hockey and are good with Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, we have a tremendous resume building opportunity for you. With all the uncertainty, thanks to the COVID pandemic, Scheduling is going to be a major challenge for hockey teams at all levels this season. Ohio Hockey Digest has a scheduling portal where teams can post open dates and find openings to fill up their 2020-2021 schedule. Sylvania Northview, Walsh Jesuit, and Stowe already posted open dates this week. Email scott at ohiohockeydigest.com with open dates, times, home and away, and any details on the type of opponent you are looking for and the Ohio Hockey Digest will help you spread the word. Columbus Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella was a finalist for the NHL's 2019-2020 Jack Adams Award, given annually to the Coach of the Year. But the award ultimately went to Bruce Cassidy of the Boston Bruins. The Hockey Commissioners Association announced Thursday that the start of the 2020-2021 NCAA season will be delayed due to the impact of COVID-19. Each conference will announce plans for the season individually. Several conferences also released statements Thursday, and although none of the statements contain details on potential start dates, it is beginning to look like there may not be any college hockey until the second semester. The United States Premier Hockey League begins begins league play this week. On September 25th, the Toledo Cherokee will visit the Columbus Maverick in the season opener for both clubs. Face-off is 7.30 p.m. at the Chiller North. And after a year away, the Wooster Oilers will return to the ice at Alice Noble Arena on Sunday, September 27th, when they host the Lake Erie Bighorns at 3.30 p.m. The Mentor Icebreakers signed Avon, Ohio native forward Alex Mitsianis to a standard player contract for the 2020-2021 season. Mitsianis, 24, played for the Cleveland Junior Lumberjacks U18 AAA squad before embarking on a three-year career in junior hockey that included a short stint with the Wooster Oilers. He spent the last two seasons playing professionally in Sweden. Icebreakers head coach Sebastian Ragno says the 5'9", 180-pound Mitsianis will bring additional skill and speed to mentor. The Toledo Walleye have signed forward Hunter Garlent who scored 44 points and was a plus 33 in 54 games with the Florida Everglades last season, the highest rating among East Coast Hockey League rookies. It is just the latest in a string of impressive signings and re-signings for Toledo and head coach Dan Watson, who now has 16 players locked up on East Coast Hockey League contracts. The East Coast Hockey League is committed to playing a full 72-game schedule even after being, even after pushing the start of the season back from October 16th to December 4th. Way to go, Dan. I know Dan's a fan of the, the show, was on with us. Keep that hard work up, Dan. Pulling the bus into Lakewood Heights Boulevard, home of Winterhurst Ice Arena, and our first guest, president of Team Ohio Hockey Organization, 
Patrick Metzger. Our first guest is a president of the Team Ohio Hockey Organization. He grew up in North Olmsted, Ohio, honing his hockey skills with the North Olmsted Hockey Club. He went on to play high school locally before becoming a member of the Toledo Cherokee in the Central States Hockey League. He then went on and attended and played at Kent State University. As a coach with Team Ohio, he has amassed an impressive resume. Six-time state champ and district champion. Seven-time USA Hockey National Qualifier. 2015 USA Hockey National Tournament runner-up and the 2019 USA Hockey U18 Tier 2 National Championship. Please welcome on air from Team Ohio President and U18 Head Coach Patrick Metzger. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be on. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, hey, uh, before we get started, uh, you guys are up and running, right? Playing a couple games already. Yeah, we, uh, we actually were able to uh, kick off our season exactly on time. Um, expect all, all the, for all the pre-post teams, the U15, U16, and U18 teams um, were able to kick off Labor Day weekend um, and then uh, played actually this weekend as well. So we're back-to-back weekends. Um, so far, so good. Lots of changes, of course, with everything going on. But um, we're happy to be uh, rolling into our season. All right, so you're two weeks into the books. Um... That's right. We're going to talk a little bit about the Team Ohio uh, organization, of course. Uh, I just know that you guys played this week. Wanted to get that out there. Talk to us a little bit and the listeners about your beginnings in hockey. Like, how'd you get started? Uh, we talked about in the intro your start at North Olmsted. Uh, uh, and, you know, how did you get started in hockey? Yeah, you know, I grew up in North Olmsted, like you guys mentioned. And um, my family really had no background in, you know, hockey or anything like that. And, um, I, uh, one of our neighbors, um, was in the North Olmsted hockey program when we were growing up and, um, we were always kind of playing street hockey in the, in, you know, in the street. And back then we played every single day and all of a sudden we were, you know, at North Olmsted recreation center signing up for, you know, learn to play and get into the, the program. And, uh, yeah, I spent my entire youth hockey playing up until probably Bantam. I played one year at Bantam major in Elyria. But for the most part, I was at North Olmsted with uh, my brothers and uh, the, for the, my entire youth uh, career. So it, it was great. You know, back then, as you know, I'm sure you know that North Olmsted was kind of a there was no, you know, triple A hockey or, you know, high level, you know, tier two hockey. It was Cleveland Suburban League. And uh, it was awesome. You know, rivals with Parma. And, you know, those were those were those are big. Those are big days and weekday games and stuff like that. So. You know, growing up in the CSHL back then, it was it was really highly competitive and it was great. You said you played at Elyria for a year. We had uh, Amherst head coach Steve Morris on uh, last week, and he we were talking about the different rinks. And man, what, growing up in those rinks out there in Elyria, like uh, in Oberlin, no no sides, no nothing. It's right, crazy. No, no roof in Elyria. No, like that. We we practiced. I'll never forget our our slot was. Uh, like Tuesdays and Thursdays at like nine thirty, you know. Oh, yeah. So like January and February, driving out there uh, with uh, you know we ha- I was actually Tyler Witten, if you know the name Tyler, uh, he, he was on that team with me, and his brother Jarrett would drive us to practice when he was playing for St. Ed's at the time, and he would drive us out there, and it was just he's like I can't believe we're doing this right now, you know. It was great. It's amazing that more, more kids did not quit the game of hockey who had to play in those rinks at that time. <laughs> I, I actually, I played my band year out there as well. And I, and we had the similar time slot and it was, it would be so foggy 
And that was our conditioning, skate to lift the fog. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And, and I remember playing teams of, of guys we knew, and they'd be in tears because they'd be so cold. Right. Guys that we ended up playing with later in, in, later on down the road, and, and they're like, I don't know how you played out there. It was so cold. My feet were frozen. We're like, suck it up, buttercup. It was the warmest it's been all week. Yeah, we didn't mind it. It was kind of it was second nature to us. We, I kind of, you know, fast ice, fun out there. It was good stuff. That was one thing Steve kept saying when we were talking. I don't know if you got to listen to it, Pat, but he was like, yeah, oh, yeah. great ice, great ice, great ice, great ice, great ice right. out there. <laughs> well, you needed good ice when uh, Coach Dave Field was, you know, skating you constantly up and down the ice all, every Tuesday, Thursday night. Oh, yes. So, Matsy, you played junior hockey before attending and playing at Kent State. Talk to us about the landscape of hockey in those days. I mean, it was it was really the beginning of multiple option, multiple junior options for Ohio players when you decided yeah. to go play in Toledo. Talk to us about that that time in your career. Yeah, I got you know I was a late bloomer, um, so I, I ended up having a pretty solid you know high school career. And at the time, I wasn't really ready you know to just go hit the books and you know go to a, pick a school and go to school, right? So the junior option was you know probably up my alley and you know we looked at many different options the summer of my going into junior year I uh, broke my scaphoid bone um, which is a small bone in your arm and it's like a nine-month heal process so it kind of took me away from all my North American League main camps and stuff like that that I was planning on attending that I got invited to with Team Ohio and when I was playing at Team Ohio so I was left with, you know, different, like just not very many options because I was going in and I wasn't going to be able to play. I didn't play my first game and probably till October and we were already a month into the season in junior. So the landscape back then there was like, it was, if it wasn't for team Ohio back then and, you know, and coach Witten at St. Ed's, those were one of the avenues. Like they would basically say, here, here's, here's some teams that are looking at you. Right. And here's some idea, here's some ideas that I think, you know, it would be a good fit for you. And that's kind of where, you know, we ended up, you know, kind of like focusing on. Um, so originally I was planning on being in Saginaw for that first year. And then when I went, you know, I, you can't go into a North American league uh, camp and be like, uh, well, we're just going to be waiting on me until uh, October, maybe November. Uh, mm-hmm. They said, you're going right to Toledo. That was their affiliate. So I ended up, you know, playing to playing in, playing in Toledo because uh, that was the affiliate of Saginaw at the time. And it was great. Like, they, you know, they were really, really great with me. Uh, Coach Scott Searing, uh, we became pretty close. And now, you know, coaching against him, he's with Bell Tire um, and stuff like that now. But, you know, he was really good guidance. Like, I didn't have, I, you know, we back then it's not like today. You know what I mean? Like, it was, you know, it was USHL, Frontier League, you know, North American League, you know, Central States. And that was it. You know, you had some Minnesota junior leagues and the, the junior Bs, but it was way different. Like, yeah, it was, it was just, it was different. You go from, it was USHL, North American League or junior B, you know, and it wasn't tier one, tier two, tier three, um, you know, where it is now. Um, there wasn't, you know, 500 teams to choose from. Um, you know, shoot, if I was back playing in the way I was as a player, I would have went out to San Diego and played tier three. If I was, if I could do it all over again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like why was I in Toledo, Ohio? <laughs> I mean, so nothing wrong with Toledo, Ohio, but with all the different junior teams now, it's, it's just, uh, you have a lot of different options out there. Absolutely. So you go for a player and your career ends and then 
Uh, when did you know that you wanted to be a coach? Like, when did you want to get into coaching and how did that start? I always wanted to, you know, I always, I felt like I was a coach when I was a player. Um, you know, I always wanted to lead uh, any of my teams that I had. Um, I thought that was, I was way better leader than I was talented. Um, I was always big on schemes, uh, you know, four checks and where to be on the ice and how to see the ice. And um, I always really had really good relationships with my coaches where I felt very comfortable to speak to coaches. And when I was in, at Kent State and I was wrapping up being done playing, um, I ended up uh, helping out Rick Hayward, uh, who was a former Cleveland Lumberjack, and he needed some help with uh, a pre-post team and one of his youth Cleveland Lumberjack teams. And I just kind of jumped on the ice with him while I was still, you know, in school and kind of just like really, really fell in love with, you know, teaching and coaching, you know, the youth and stuff like that. So um, that's probably basically my junior year and when I was done playing, um, that's kind of really when I went full go into kind of coaching at the time. So talk to us about how Team Ohio began and how you came into the mix. Okay, that's a very good question. Um, I would, you know, Team Ohio was, I was actually a part of the first ever Team Ohio pre-post U18 team. Um, that was in 1994, 95 season. I graduated from uh, 95. That was the first um, first season. Um, some of the you know top players from all of Ohio. So it would have been we had kids from Toledo St. John's, Bowling Green, Sylvania Northview. You know, you know, and then all the Northeast Ohio schools, right? But there was only one team. It wasn't like it is today, where there's you know six. I have you know six pre-post teams and stuff like that. It was one team, and they went. We traveled all around. Um, you know, the country playing these games. So Team Ohio started back then. Um, of course, then I go on and, you know, play junior hockey, then go to Kent State and went through a couple different GMs. Um, Russ Dice and Bill Beard, our founders, did an amazing job getting the program, you know, off the ground. Um, but, you know, like anything, they were moving on in different paths. Coach Beard took the university school job as a high school team. Uh, Coach Dice ended up moving to West Palm Beach, Florida selling, you know, doing his, you know, focusing on his, you know, job and his business. Uh, then he has passed it on to uh, Bob Mainhart. Bob Mainhart then, you know, moved his coaching career. So it's had a bunch of different GMs over, you know, the 25 years of in existence. How, how I ended up getting in, um, I moved, I, when I moved back to Cleveland in 2006, um, I teamed up with St. Ed's uh, with when Robbie Whitten was the coach at St. Ed's and started working with their JV program. And, um, and then the following year, the next couple of years with the, with the school, um, I was coming home on a bus ride after a state tournament with St. Ed's and Russ Dice called me literally like I'm on the bus. We just got done losing the state championship game. I'm coming home on a bus and Russ Dice is like, Hey, Tarzan. Uh, that was my nickname with, uh, you know, Team Ohio. So he's like, hey, Tarzan, we need to talk. I need you to take over the Team Ohio program. I'm like, all right, I'm on the bus. I'll, I'll give you a call. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I'll give you a call on Monday or whatever, you know. You know, so anyways, I call him back later that week, and uh, he's like, hey, you know, we're having some issues. The program's kind of fizzling, um, and it was. I knew it, you know, because I was part of the high school side of things. Um, and, you know, watching, you know, all the high schools and I knew team Ohio 
back then there was a team Cleveland that most of the kids were going to play on this team Cleveland team. And, you know, it would team Ohio like had like one team and it, it wasn't strong anymore. Basically it wasn't the brand that coach beard and coach dice set up for success. Right. So I ended up long story short, I ended up like taking the opportunity and running with it. Um, and really just started off, you know, like I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. I'll be a hundred percent honest. I'm like, Oh, I'm a GM of a hockey organization. I'm going to coach a team. I'm going to, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know how I'm going to build this. Right. So, you know, I, I ran with it and uh, never really looked back. Um, I started my 18 process with, I had, I think three players in my program and that spring, we ended up taking like a couple teams to showcases in the spring. And then that next following year, we had three pre post teams and just kept growing, you know, every single, you know, every single day on the pre post side of things. So I, I got a question for you real quick. So in 94, 95, the pre post started and, and for guys that are like my age uh, who are older than you, who played uh, for a team for team Ohio, when it was just the one tournament Chicago right. showcase, <laughs> take the best 20 players in the state. You had those two tryouts, whatever. How did that evolve? Maybe, you know, this, maybe you don't, I don't know. How did that evolve yeah. from just one tournament? Yeah. It, that like, I, I, you know, I know Jason was part of that. I think a couple times the Chicago showcase, I was fortunate to be a part of that as well. And that was one heck of an event, right? That started, I think the old John coach Malloy and yep. Ian Cushman, um, <laughs> you know, good days of those guys always would take the, you'd have, I'll never forget my freshman year and Jay, you, I know you were on the ice for this. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. There had to be, and I'm a freshman and coach Cushman's like, you know, lives, he's a neighbor. Right. And he's like, you have to go to this tryout. I, you're not going to make the team, but you need to be at the tryout. I'm like, I'm like, all these guys are enormous. You know what I mean? I play <laughs> JV hockey. You know what I mean? I'm trying out for this showcase, but he's like, you need to be a thing. And I never forget. I'm out there on the ice with these guys. And back then, I remember the Shaker and, you know, Shaker and Cleveland Heights guys. I'm, like, just, like, watching. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's going on? And that was, like, my first first ever, you know, oh, my God. Like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. But so how it evolved is Dice and Beard took over from Malloy um, and Cushton in that 93. I think he was an assistant the year before with Dice was. And then yeah. the following year, they took over. And when they I, had, I think ahead. they, I think they took it over in, in 94. Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. know, I know I had Dyson beard in, in gotcha. Chicago for the showcase. Right. So they took it over that. And then that following year, when you graduated, um, they're like, you know, we loved it so much at the Chicago showcase. Why don't we do like a pre, we can't start high school seasons until November. Why don't we do this pre pre posting? Right. Yeah. And that's how it really evolved. Yeah, no, yeah, and I, I just, I, I remember what, back in the day when they had just that one tournament, they would do a huge tryout in Toledo, a mm -hmm. huge tryout here in Lakewood yes. for all the, you know, so Toledo had Toledo, Columbus, all those right. other schools, and then Cleveland had the other, and then they would take, what, 20 from each one, and then yeah. you would you would go to Winterhurst at the time, and you would try out. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty intense, and it was, I mean, if you want to talk about like a true all-state tournament team, that was it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. That was it. So yeah, I just didn't know how the how that transition went from that tournament team uh, to uh, now the pre post, which you know it's actually very it's a very good program, but uh, an an option for all of our kids. 
Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, I, I love that Chicago showcase. I, I have some great memories of coaching in that tournament. Um, and then it moved, I want to say probably about five years ago, maybe even longer now, but, um, they had it, the Chicago showcase went to a Pittsburgh high school showcase okay. and it just, it lost all its flair. Um, it just wasn't the same. Yeah. Was, wasn't it, wasn't it, I, I remember hearing and, and talking to people about how, you know, when it was in Chicago, it was centrally located. So Minnesota would come Massachusetts, uh, mass team mass would come Wisconsin would come when they were moving it to Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, Chicago couldn't host it any longer. Then the Minnesotas and the Wisconsins were like, well, why are we coming all the way over there? Yeah, we can right. stay home and do our own thing. And so, yeah, anyways. that was a big, that was a big part of it. I'm sure. Um, I think the other biggest factor is, is they do that tournament literally the week after the national tournament. And these kids, you know, they gassed, they, they, they're gassed and they can't, what are they? You're going to have a miss a week of school the week before for nationals. And then you're going to go to Chicago showcase and they want you there Tuesday to Sunday. You know what I mean? So they're missing two weeks of school. Right. It wasn't, it was, it couldn't work anymore. So uh, obviously a lot of teams in the state of Ohio and beyond the state of Ohio know that your organization has a a rink that houses all of your teams. Um, How important was it to you to have that arena uh, to house all of your organizations out of one spot? Yeah, very simple. If we could, if we couldn't do get the arena, I couldn't do really what I'm doing right now. Right. Uh, we needed, I couldn't, I couldn't go to a Gilmore or, you know, Parma or Strongsville and say, Hey, I need uh 200 hours of ice a month. You know I mean? They're going to laugh, laugh me out of the rink. Right. So it, it was a huge factor um, getting the uh, you know, the lease at Winterhurst and to have, um, have a, a home for, you know, full season teams. Cause that was my goal from day one. Uh, when, when I took over, you know, yeah, I wanted to get the pre post back for the high school kids and keep these kids playing high school because I, I, I think you can get, I truly, truly believe you can get to the same level, uh, whether you're playing tier one, tier two high school, that's just my beliefs. Some people are going to disagree with me on that. Um, but you know, the, the facts are the facts, you know, and the kids that have come through our program. And some, have, pe- some people are going to disagree with you because some people don't explore options. Correct. Correct. You know, and they, and they just don't want to, you know, I love when someone's like, oh, wow, you do that. Oh, wow. You play those teams. Oh, <laughs> wow. You played 40 games or, you know, and like stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, like all you got to do is talk to me. I'll, I'll let you know the whole, how the whole plan works. Um, so that was my whole goal. And it's never going to change that. Our, you know, mission statement that Coach Beard and Coach Dice is, is put out in 1994 has not changed today. You know what I mean? We just want to give student athletes the opportunity to play at the highest level as, le- as well as playing with their respective high schools. And I think that's extremely important uh, or I wouldn't do it. So, but having the rink and being in one location where like just last night was awesome. Like we, we had a U18 game at seven o'clock. And my little 09 team that I coached this year was playing after, right? So it's just a really cool atmosphere to have the teams and all the people in the building and, you know, everybody kind of supporting. I, I, I love the building for everybody trying to work together who's in the building, whether it be St. Edward, it be Winterhurst Hockey Association, Team Ohio, Lakewood Speed Skating. I just want everybody to be on the same page. Um, you know, I know it seems kind of crazy with me with 
running Team Ohio and the rink. And of course, people are like, well, you really try to make it for Team Ohio. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, of course, we're, we're trying to build a program, but I'm also trying to help everybody else in the building as well. Right. <clears throat> well, what have been what have been some of the benchmarks that you knew you'd have to hit as an organization that really helped grow the organization? Was it, uh, you know, you, you, as you said, you started with your pre-post teams and now you have youthful season teams. Was that one of the things that you knew you had to solidify in order to continue to grow the Team Ohio brand? That's a tough one. Uh, when it comes to the, the midget program, which is our pre-post program, that, has been, that was successful for seven years before I started the youth program with me running it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big risk. Right. You know I mean? Like no one, for whatever reason in Ohio and Cleveland, no one likes competition in, in this town. Right. And like, I think it's good to compete, you know, with local organizations. Right. Like I have nothing against any of our local organizations. I want the best for every youth hockey player. Right. We're just an option. Right. Team Ohio is an option. And my goal when I started the youth program was to be very transparent, to give them all the tools necessary to be successful, right? Sit down with players, sit down with families, right? Really understand what we're trying to achieve. What are we trying to achieve? Well, every team's different, right? You know what I mean? Like a squirt team might have different goals than my Bantam team or what they're trying to accomplish in their hockey goals. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, at the end of the world, not to start this youth program. But when you have two sheets of ice and you know you, you, what you're bringing to the table, we firmly believe we're doing the right thing. Um, you know, I always laugh when I hear, well, you're diluting the talent. Okay. What do, you, what do you mean by we're diluting the talent? Okay. We're trying to give an option. Are we going to have all the greatest teams? And there's, you know, yes, there's, there's a lot of players in the city playing, you know, at, at certain birth years. There's some birth years in our city that are a little lower in numbers. You know what I mean? It's our job is to give the what our option and what our opportunity is and let families and players choose where they want to play. Right. So, Pat, obviously, Jay and I have known you for a long, long time, and, 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 and I, I don't want to bring this question up as, as, a, as a question because I know you're the type of guy that doesn't like second place, but, but here where I'm going with this question. Yeah. Uh, when you were the eight, when you, well, you are the U18 coach. Talk to us about the 2015 national championship where you guys were runner up and how that prepared you for what was about to come. Yeah, that, that, that was a special team. Uh, 2015, we were loaded. Um, we were, <laughs> that was a fun team. Aiden Spells, he was on that team. Uh, Ryan Gorbett from university school. Um, those were our two big, um, you know, pig, two big forwards that could put the puck away. Um, Evan Kruger, everybody, you know, you remember Evan mm -hmm. um, and Ryan Herpy and Brian Russell were like just big six, two, six, three defense. So we were well-rounded and I had great goaltending uh, CJ Belotus and uh, silver were the uh, goalies. So we were really well, you know, we had a really good Northeast Ohio U18 team that year. Um, that team battled. I, I remember I talked to a lot of those guys still and then, everybody really in my program that I've coached at the 18s, I try to keep in contact with, but that team, especially just kind of went above and beyond. Um, nobody battled. I listened to the podcast with Aiden the other week when you had him on and man, that there was nobody that I coached um, that worked as hard as he did. I've had t more talented guys, but that guy is a pure leader 
and why he made it to where he is today because he never quit. He put his nose to the grindstone and worked. I, those are the most, those are the easiest guys to coach. You, you know, you guys know that, um, you know, they go out there and they just want to perform and they put, they, 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 you know, they, they can take a team and lead and they just follow and everybody's, you know, that's, that was special. Like those guys and Aiden and having Aiden for a few years and Gorbett and Kruger, like that, that whole thing was really crazy. So, but that, that national tournament, going back to your question is it was in Troy, Michigan and Troy, Michigan's what three hours from us door to door, not far. And we stayed at the Big Beaver Marriott, and everybody knows the Big Beaver Marriott, right? Oh, so, oh, oh yeah, if, oh yeah. You're at the Big Big Beaver Marriott for like seven nights. You know that's you've had you you know everything about the Big Beaver Marriott, right? <laughs> so we had a great we had a great time. We're playing a tournament. We're we're doing really well. Like we won our first game like five nothing. The second game we loaded up. We just had a really good week. We get into quarterfinal play. We in, in a national tournament, you have to get. It's just like any other game, right? Like you just got to, you got to get some bounces. You know what I mean? I, I, you have to get lucky. Like maybe a team that should have won lost. And now they're a second seed in quarterfinals. And it, it just all kind of has to work out uh, for you. And that year, everything was placed. Like, you know, Sylvania at the time got an at-large bid. And they were, the, I thought they were the second best team in that tournament. Okay. That's how good they were. We, we To get to nationals that year, we won in like a five-person shootout. I don't know if you guys remember that game. It was at Menor and it was wild, but long story short, we, we, we get a good draw in the quarters and we, you know, play a tough Dallas team in the semis, got through those guys and play Ashburn extreme in the final. I've never been in a, like an atmosphere like that, a national championship thing. So Jarrett Whitten was actually my assistant that year. And so we get off the bus and, and he's like, He's like, we got to go upstairs and do film. Like, this is like, we have three hours to put a game plan together against this Ashburn team. They're better. They're, they're a little bigger. They're a little stronger. You know what I mean? They're, they're a little deeper. And he's like, we're putting a game plan together. You know what I mean? So everybody else can do their thing. We're going up. So we're sitting in the hotel, you know, the hotel, you know, room, you know, small little hotel rooms, kind of putting a game plan together and trying to match different lines. And I'll never forget, because those are the things I remember, you know, working with coaches and trying to, you know, like figure out a, a game plan. And, you know, that day, <clears throat> you know, the night before, and one of the biggest reasons I think would really hurt us in that game is Kevin Van Bachwin went down with a knee injury in the semifinal game, and he was not able to play in the final. Kevin Van Bachwin was a really good attributor to like Spellacy and Kruger, and I could throw him out in different place, play, places, and him going down really affected us. Cause I had guys having to be on like a top, you know, in my top nine that were not in my top nine. And it kind of like, it really kind of threw some wrenches at us, but God, we, we, we battled um, in that game. We actually had a goal that was, you know, in overtime, you know, disallowed, but I, I still to this day, I pull up the video when I'm, you know, several times that you guys know me, I'm kind of freaky like that. And I'll look at those kind of like files and I'll go, how do they take that one away? Right. You know what I mean? So, and it's clear as day, like Spelly comes down the middle, cuts down, we're <laughs> celebrating. And the ref's like, no goal. I'm like, what, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you like, No, Like, and they're coming down on the two on one. I'm freaking out. You know what I mean? Like what's going on? So that, you know, that's like, definitely, that's definitely not in the make me laugh file on the, uh, no, uh, no, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause that was a discussion last week at the rink. Okay. Yeah. Right. No, that's not in the make me laugh uh, file, but okay. All right. that's in more of a, you know, the hockey files, like, 
what ha you know I, I love looking at clips and film um you guys wouldn't probably know that much about me on that side of things but i i watch a lot of a lot of film just you know watching games and trying to break like even my games that i played this weekend i've watched probably two out of the three so far and you know just trying to get better you know that that's the biggest thing so we learned a lot from that so Sully, you know that was a it was a good that was our third that was my i think third time at nationals at that point and we were close and everybody knew us around the country we were getting close um that was a good one and we learned a little bit from that but you know the next year we go back with the same kind of team uh, i think we we had a lot spelly and gore we come back we go to amherst we're the number one team in the country we beat the team that actually wins the national championship in court and round robin play and we lose in the quarters you know so it was just one of the you know how much did we learn from it? You know, it's just, it's just a, that tournament is such a long week. You got to get the right bounces. Kids got to be so, so um, grounded. And, you know, you know how it is getting kids, you know, following, you know, curriculum and schedules, right? You know, it's, it's tough. You know, these kids are 16, 17, 18 years old for the most part. And, you know, it's a lot of responsibility that we put on these kids. I, I, I say one thing about those ages of kids. Uh, that we do, all of us on this uh, call, coach, it's, first of all, all college coaches and pro coaches need to coach high school age kids at least five years to understand the inconsistencies of a hockey player. And, you know, we all ask our players every day to bring something to the rink. And uh, these kids, they're great kids, all of them, but they bring inconsistently, they, they bring inconsistent consistently to the rink every day. Right. You know? So no, very true. Well, so after after all that learning and, and you know, going through the highs, the lows, and, and the low point, you guys see it all the way through in 2019. Can you describe what that week was like culminating in that overtime victory? It was – it was besides my marriage, my, my, my you know, my marriage and the kids being born, probably one of the greatest weeks I've ever had. Um, you guys know me. I go above and beyond, like – like I put a trip, like when I do these trips for nationals, I cater to these guys like they're on, you know, the NHL team, right? With the buses, the planes, everything I could possibly do for them, meals. Like I, tr I really try to give them all the bells and whistles. And that week, we won in October. All I thought about for four months, you know, every single day is we're going to win in San Jose. And I'm going to make this the greatest trip ever. And how am I going to do this? So I was calling. I called every bus company. I called every adventure thing. I was looking for, like, I made everybody come out on Tuesday. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, because like, I wanted them to get adjusted for the three-hour time difference. We had practices out there. It was, you know, I had, um, I had the San Jose Sharks was practicing, like, right after us. And the guys were coming in and saying a couple words to the guys. It was you know, it was really cool. We, you know, just the, you know, we went to Santa Cruz Beach uh, the day before we started play and watching the kids, you know, just walk around and have a little free time before it got real. You know, it was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, that team, when they started playing, it was lights out. And that wasn't like what was really special about that team it wasn't like they were the most skilled team I've ever had. It was a team. Like those guys would like, you, just, you could tell in the locker, they would never leave the locker room. 
You know what I mean? You know, those guys that sit in the locker room for like a couple hours after and they're like, guys, like, let's get out of here. They're like, no, they never wanted to leave. Um, and it was special. Like I, you know, those guys, like we got very, like, it was just so much that went on with that, with, you know, picking up different players throughout the year, I'm, you know, interchanged some players and, you know, got the right group together and, you know, goal I had, I had from my forwards to my D to my, you know, goaltending, uh, Benny Savarino was really the, you know, the only goalie we had with that, that team that year um, for the most part, because we had a goalie that kind of left middle of the year, but um, you know, we just had it. It was just a team. Those guys would do anything for each other. And that's the only way they were able to win it. You know, and the way they interacted with each other, it made it fun for us coaches. Um, it was awesome. The whole week was awesome. I, I think, I think that's pretty profound on what you said there that, a team can be less talented on paper, but be more successful on the rink if they believe in each other and play like a team. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, go ahead, go ahead, Pat. No, I'm just saying, like, I, like the, I, this team, the national championship team, that was so special. I see a lot in the team I have this year, um, and you don't get these teams very often, right? Like, the, the, it's a very similar team. It's not a high powering. It's not a one guy does everything. And I love the coaching those teams because those teams, when you get a, you, you guys know when a, a player, as much as we we're player coach, like I believe we're all player coaches and have relationships and they know the good, the bad, when to, when to, you know, confront us and talk to us and they really buy in. That's when, you know, we got them. Right. And yeah. I see that already with this group I have this year. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, it starts at the top. Uh, what is on the horizon for the Team Ohio organization for this upcoming season? Navig trying to navigate through all the different yeah difficulties. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a rough um, you know four months, five months, whatever since March. We 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 our last day on the ice was March seventeenth. Um, literally, like one day after we got the at large bid for nationals for twenty uh, for twenty twenty, um, we were shut down. We started back up in June or so and had some, you know, practicing stuff. But for this year, it's, it was a, it's been a challenge. Um, my hardest challenge is not the on ice side of things and the teams are, everybody's doing good. It's, you know, I'm, what I'm always concerned with is how many people are in the arena following rules, social distancing, wearing masks. It is so important, you know, people coming to practices or games to follow just these very simple rules. We want to continue playing. You know what I mean? We've like this virus, people are going to get, they're going to get it. You know what I mean? And we like, I, I really was like, at first I'm like, man, this, like, come on, like, what's, is this, what's going on here? But you know, it's, it's hit home with me. Like I I've had, you know, my son's team's had, you know, some players affected with the virus. I've had players on my team that have, you know, been asymptomatic, some symptomatic, you know what I mean? So, you know, I got I'm taking this so seriously now, like just this morning, I, I had a big backpack um, of sanitizer that I, I got and that kills everything. And I'm spraying everything down, you know what I mean? Locker rooms to door handles to, you know, everything. So it is, it's a challenging, challenging time. Uh, the teams understand our guidelines and have to follow them. You know, it, it stinks, you know, I'd love to be not having to wear a mask in the building and enter wherever the hell you want to go and go into the bathroom off the arrows and all that kind of stuff. But like, 
we just got to follow these procedures for the health department and it's going to be challenging, but like everybody, all of us coaches and, you know, families, we want to keep playing. You know, we had teams in this weekend and last weekend from all over and we were strict and everybody understood it. And as long as everybody understands it and follows it, I think we're going to have a great year. Yeah. And, and Pat, you know, this is, I mean, we all know this on this call and all of our listeners will know this. I mean, 99% of the people will follow it to, to be able to do what we can do during this difficult time. You'll have 1% of the jack wagons out there that'll just screw it up for everybody. Yeah. You know? And, and no. um, you know, it, it is what it is, but I mean, I, I can say this and anybody listening who's interested in a team Ohio event, um, I was at the rink quite a bit last weekend uh, and felt very, very comfortable with the, the guidelines that you guys have all put in, you know, and, and uh, so if you're looking to get into a tournament, uh, if you're listening to this and your organization looking to get in a tournament, check out Team Ohio because uh, they're definitely doing it right and safe and uh, hopefully maybe you'll have an opening, maybe you won't, Pat. But, yep, that's good. But, uh, hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was great talking to you, as always. Um, I'm glad that you were able to hear to get some of the good word of Team Ohio out and uh, what you guys are doing and what's on the uh, horizon for you guys. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, guys, and I'd uh, love to be back again. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. See you guys. Well, Jay, you hear him calling us? Bart's starting a bus up. We're back on the bus heading west on the 90. Sylvania, Ohio, and our next guest, the head coach of the Northview Wildcats, Mr. Steve Elliott. Our next guest is no stranger to hockey in Ohio. He's had his pulse on the game in the Toledo region for a better part of 20 years. After 19 years as an assistant coach, he took the helm for the 2016-2017 campaign. Not missing a beat, he has guided the Sylvania Northview Wildcats to continued success as a 2019 state finalist. He's a member of the Ohio High School Athletic Association Coaches Advisory Board. Please welcome on air from the Northview Wildcats head coach, Steve Elliott. Welcome, Coach. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Coach, uh, for our listeners out there, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you got started in, Ohio, in hockey. What was your path into hockey um, from growing up? So uh, my mom was a big fan. Uh, I used to go to some games uh, for the uh, Gold Diggers here in Toledo and uh, came home one day, and my dad wasn't a hockey person at all, and uh, said I signed uh, – Charlie, which is my oldest brother, up for hockey today. And my dad said, "You did what?" <laughs> I think I think all of our I think all of our fathers said the same thing in that with that question, right? And what? he became the biggest fan. Also, he became just a huge hockey uh, nut when it was all said and done. Um, but that's just kind of start of it. Um, he's about three years older than me. And did a lot of uh, shooting in the basement, waiting for my turn to play hockey, and then you know grew up through the ranks over here in Toledo, Sylvania area, playing some travel teams and. And whatnot. Uh, played a year of AAA up in uh, up in Michigan, and my freshman year, before joining Northview uh, in the 1989-1990 season, uh, before graduating in '92. All right. Then, what? When? When did you know you wanted to be a coach? After After the playing days were done, and along that way, did you always know coaching was in your future? Um, I don't know if I always knew it was going to be in my future, but it was something that I thought about during high school days, uh, I, I had a conversation with, uh, my parents back then that I was thinking about maybe going to college. Uh, wasn't sure, uh, I'll freely admit it wasn't a huge student at that time. And so I ended up taking a couple of years off after high school. I didn't go right to college, but, uh, 
I was knocking around doing some finished carpentry work and working on some cars and decided I want to go back. But it all really kind of started in my teenage days. I said I would like to be a phys ed teacher and, and coach a sport and more than likely hockey. So um, I finally made that happen, went back to school. And now I've uh, been a phys ed teacher for, uh, for 20 years and a coach for 23. So, yeah, it's, it's turned so out pretty good. For our listeners, you do you teach uh, in the same district that you coach in? Oddly, I do not. Um, started coaching three years before I uh, started teaching, and I just wasn't able to secure a job uh, in Sylvania at that time. And um, as an educator yourself, I, I, just the way that pay scales work, it, it just never worked out that uh, I was able to transition into uh, Sylvania. But uh, that's been okay, actually. I really found a nice home in Springfield Schools up here in Northwest Ohio, and that's kind of a second home for me there as well. So I, uh, you know, I got my sports a little bit here with hockey in Pennsylvania, but uh, I really have a lot of love for Springfield schools as well. Are you guys back in session or are you guys remote? We're still remote right now. So uh, many of the schools around here, uh, including Pennsylvania, starts up uh, um, a hybrid model tomorrow. But my school district, we're actually going to stay remote until probably October 1st. How do you play kickball remote? Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely changed some things, you know, recording videos and having kids watch videos. And, and we're doing a lot more, I think, probably with the, uh, the knowledge piece more than the actual yeah. physical piece now. And I think that's been something that maybe we could probably work a little bit better on anyway. So and that part we really are pretty excited about, but I can't wait to get them back into class because it, it's not the beach just having an influence on kids and working oh, yeah. For sure. Can, can I get on that call where you're doing the calisthenics portion of gym class where I could see you maybe doing some toe touches? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I'm in. I'm in. I want to see it. Ohio high school hockey coaches. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Portfolio well, still hanging around over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's running around. He's running he's around. He's bouncing around. So, uh, Steve, after 19 years as an assistant uh, at your alma mater, uh, why did you decide at that point, not why did you decide to take the helm, but you, when the helm became open, is that something that you, that you knew you wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when Coop retired after the 2008 season, uh, I had three, uh, younger kids at that point. One was uh, just being born actually. Uh, my youngest is a 2008 birth year. And then, uh, I have a, a kid that will be a sophomore. My son Landon will be a sophomore this year. And then my daughter, Lauren, graduated, and she she bounced around on our team as well last year. So, mm. you know, they were young kids at that time. Um, additionally, Mike Jones was coming along, and as that proved to be a very important hire for our program, uh, that seemed like a no-brainer. I was comfortable where I was at. Our other assistant for a long time, Doug Carter, was comfortable where he was at. And the opportunity to bring in a former professional hockey player who had an offer to coach with the Alaska uh, Aces when he was leaving there and uh, it just was a no-brainer. So he came in, obviously did a phenomenal job with the success we had while he was there for those eight years. But then when he left, yeah, uh, my daughter was uh, going to be a freshman. My sons are, were getting a little older, and it just seemed like the perfect transition for me. So what did you learn under Coach Cooper and under Coach Jones that helped you create your voice as a coach? Yeah, I mean, obviously a uh, little different styles there. Coop was a great motivator and really had a good sense of family and, and the history of the program and, and some of those things that he put in place, I, I really try to incorporate now and in making sure that I let the alumni know how important they are to our program and, and running our website. I mean, 
we have stats on our website that go back to 1979. <laughs> and you can find every team uh, from 79 all the way up. And so that's just been a huge thing that Coop built and something that I tried to make sure I carried on from his legacy. And then, you know, obviously the things that Mike was able to bring uh, to, to add to what Coop was doing, but then really took it to another level when it came to his understanding of the finer points of today's game of hockey from playing at a professional level and, and to steal some of those things, those X's and O's. And now I've tried to blend some of those things together and then add my own personal touch as well. So, Coach, you've been a part of some very memorable games uh, for Northview, but probably one of the most memorable games that people still talk about uh, was that 2014-7 overtime state championship game. Um, what was the atmosphere amongst your team? I mean, we, we had Aiden Spellacy on last week, uh, who was a player on Ignatius. He's now playing at Robert Morris. He gave us his uh, take about his team. What was the atmosphere amongst your team? You know, just kind of like, uh, I don't know, uh, like a fighter just kept on getting off the mat. And, you know, I, I think anybody that was there and, and people understood they were the better team. Um, and, and it showed in the, the peripherals and the statistics of the game for sure. But uh, we really found something about the two thirds mark of our season. We, if you'll look back, our record wasn't that incredible that year. We, uh, we were a team that was trying to find our identity uh, with our leadership and, and some of those things. Um, but when that really clicked, we went to another level of we're just going to we're not going to be denied. And that's how those kids played uh, earlier in that playoff. St. John's jumped out to a two nothing lead as the number one seed in our district four or five minutes into the game. Coach Jones called a timeout. And before he can even say a word, David Marsh, who ended up being the superstar of that game, uh, he came over and, and just starts yelling at the team about how he's not letting another goal in. I've got, and he stood on his head from that moment on, and we came back and won that game four to two. And that was just kind of what that team was all about, just anything you could do to take and, and put yourself in front of a shot. And, you know, the number of shots we blocked on top of the number of shots they got actually on that was ridiculous. So they were clearly the better team as far as that. But uh, when it came to a never say die, we're going to just – bulldoze through this that's how they were and that's how it felt in the locker room we didn't have to say a whole bunch in between just get yourself ready to go and just keep doing we'll find one we'll, we'll figure a way to get this victory and I I really felt that uh, we were going to somehow pull that thing off no matter how it happened how was how was David after the game after seeing 77 shots he was he was my favorite part he came <laughs> over during all those tv timeouts and he's smiling and laughing and saying this is amazing and he was just in his zone and you know I'm sure he was tired but uh, you never knew it from uh, just his, his play and, and his attitude and his character and he's come back now and he's actually helping our goalies he'd be entering his second year as our goalie coach this year so uh, he's coming back to help the program as well. Oh that's awesome for the players so Northview has always had the reputation of playing hard, a hard-nosed brand of hockey what do you attribute that to? Oh I don't know I mean obviously just a, a a mentality, uh, you know, it's something that we preach and, uh, you know, it'd be hard to say that we're some real blue collar uh, public school where, you know, we got kids that do pretty well in our community as well, but yeah. most of those kids come from two working family parents and, you know, they, they are just kind of grinders and, um, you know, we like to play up a little bit on that for sure and, and try to play the underdog role and, you know, you're just some, uh, blue collar public school kids let's go to work and and they they tend to buy in pretty good it's 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 always fun to either whenever it is whether we go up there come down here 
to to play against your teams because you know it's a buckle up. It's it's going to be a battle, and, and and that's great for our sport and great for just hockey in general, let alone in the Toledo region or in the Cleveland region or Columbus. It's that type of hockey that just makes it fun to be a part of. And so congratulations to, to yourselves and, and all the, the whole Northview organization on that. That's, it's a great brand, man. It's, it's how it should be played. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say uh, the opponents are always too happy to play against Northview. I can tell because you know what's coming. So you guys have built that. I can speak. I can speak candidly about that. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some epic ones at the uh, St. Ed's. That's for sure. Uh, Doug Carter, our assistant coach, had the '86 and '87, where uh, knocked out five three both years in the final four with uh, with empty net goals on both of those. So uh, uh, definitely Ed's and Northview are no. Uh, no strangers to those. They knocked me out in the state final as well my sophomore year in 1990. So, uh, you know, we've had some great battles with them for sure. Absolutely. Now, talk to us a little bit about the the landscape of hockey in Toledo with the return of Bowling Green and the addition of Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne to the Red Division. So the Red's getting really strong. Um, I, I'll be frank. I, I think that we need some a healthier version across the board. Um, Currently, I think that uh, Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne are starting to bring their brand around and, and they look excellent and look to be programs that are on the rise over here. And that's excellent for our, our red division. Uh, you know what you're going to get with St. Francis and, and St. John's as well as ourselves. Finley is always going to be a, a, a tough place to play and a tough uh, opponent. And obviously, BG, they don't have to apologize for anything. Most uh, second most state titles in the state. So uh, I look forward to them becoming uh, that premier program once again. So um, I would really like to see it get back to where it was. I mean, at one point we had 20 teams and, you know, of those 2010 were, were pretty strong. And now we've kind of have more of a have and have not kind of thing kind of going a little bit. And I don't know if that's always the healthiest, but it does provide some strength in, in our top ends for sure. What do you think would strengthen that? What do you think would bring I, – I don't want to say bring teams back. But what do you think would bring more teams into the mix to, to raise the competitive balance? Well, I think the numbers are really starting to come around again. I mean, uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you really look at the Toledo area, you got the Ice House has one sheet of ice, and, and Tam O'Shanner has two sheets of ice that really produce every single hockey player that's going to play for six or seven programs over here. We do have BG down there that has their, their program down there, and they, and they they supplant some of these Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg players for sure and some Finley players as well. But when you start looking at how are we going to have 15 teams come out of the Toledo Savannah area, it gets kind of difficult when you think that we only have three seats of ice. And so right. um, that is something that's going to have to continue to approve. And I know there's been some – behind the scenes talk about a, another sheet going in at Tamil Channel because they're literally having a hard time, like having enough ice time. My son's oh, wow. weight hockey team, for instance, in North Stars, we have some practices on BG because the sheets are getting too full at Tamil Channel. So that's a, that's a good indication that numbers are really starting to come along. We're starting to get one, in, you know, two travel teams at each age group out of, out of Tamil Channel and forever good. it's always kind of one travel team. And so with that, you're going to start seeing numbers increase and, and hopefully you'll start seeing a few more programs join what we have. Does, does Huntington allow you guys in the youth side to, to use their rink? Not, I mean, not just for like special games, but like for practices or whatever. Yeah. You don't see it a whole bunch um, okay. here and there, but it, when it's going, it's, it's, it's pretty full venue between the concerts and different things. So it's to really, 
lock in ice time, it could be kind of difficult. Actually, the walleye probably practice more at Tamil Center during the day while kids are at school than teams okay. practicing down at the walleye. Yeah, that's what, when we had Coach Watson. When we had Coach Watson on, he was mentioning that he does. He's at the Tamil quite a bit. Yeah, and so. Um, so that they've been a great partner. They support it very well. And, uh, you know, it's clearly helped, especially because they're such a great brand of hockey and the Wally yes. has been excellent. And with that, just like Columbus has seen, you know, when you have a great product that people start going to, then a kid sitting in the stand says, I want to play hockey. And yeah, right. that's, where you see, that's why you see Columbus growing. And hopefully that same thing happens for the Toledo Samaria area. Absolutely. So as we, as we mentioned in the intro, you're a member of the OHSA Hockey Coaches Advisory Board. In your opinion, what would you like to see change for the betterment of high school hockey in Ohio? I know, I know, ready, that, I, ready, I know, Steve, go. I know, I know that's loaded, and and I, I have since put my seatbelt on. The floor is yours, Coach. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there, if it, it's definitely going to take a lot of legwork from a lot of coaches, and and the more that we can continue to pull together and 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 bring our resources to to help each other out, that'd be great. I, I do believe in trying to make it more meaningful for more programs at the end of the year. Uh, unfortunately, too many teams do go into that state playoff knowing their their fate before it even starts. They're going into one game and, you know, the mismatches between an Ignatius or, or, or any of the top seeds and any of the four brackets really against the 14, 15, 20 seed, whatever it ends up being, uh, we need to do better for that. If we want that 20 seed to grow, we need to give them an opportunity to win a couple of games in playoffs get some interest in their program that allows them to grow. And then as that happens, hopefully the whole thing continues to grow. So I really do support that, that second uh, division for the state playoffs to allow some of those teams to have more success. Um, this is a tough way to think about it, but we need more support from, I think club hockey teams in particular, like the strong club hockey teams that like Ohio, um, the Bobcats have, and, and, and some of those, uh, continuing to move players along. For us to continue to grow, we have to show that other segment of our population, our players, that we're going to continue to move them along. And, and uh, when Ohio starts becoming a more legit place for players to continue their movement, I think that's going to help grow the sport as well. And unfortunately, the, our sport is so much different than basketball and football. You know, you're a football player, you play football for your school, and then you move on to playing college. If you're a basketball player, you might do some AAU in the summer, but during your main season, you play for your high school and you're getting noticed. When it comes to hockey, unfortunately, there's 12 different avenues for these kids to, to go, and it really starts to thin it out. So uh, I don't know what the right answer and the, the easy answer to that question is, but how can we get more kids playing high school hockey, enjoying that experience, um, and we do everything we can to promote why you should play high school hockey from grades to, I mean, we practice 4.30 to 6 right after school. You, you're going to be home having dinner with your parents all the time. Um, you know, we have a tutor at the school. So as soon as they get done with school, between practice and the end of the day, they're visiting the tutor to get their grades going. And so um, hopefully a lot of those things are become attractive reasons why they should play. And then when we start seeing the spell of C's and Dalton Carter off of our 2012 team that went on to play some D3 hockey and uh, even had a cup of coffee with UMass Lowell at the D1 level, those types of things are going to continue to hopefully uh, get out there and, 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 and make the programs stronger and, and build high school hockey uh, in Ohio here and make it a really attractive place for kids to play. 
I mean, another another guy that left your organization or not didn't leave. I mean, went all four years with Hirschfeld, and you know, and he ended up at Miami and then with the walleye. I mean, so you can stay. I agree with with your statements, coach. And and I know that when when we were on the uh, the Zoom call a couple weeks ago uh, with the state, you know, we did talk about the fact that, and I want to reiterate what you said: football doesn't have a competition. You play football and then you go to college. Basketball has AAU, but it's never during the same time as high school basketball. Volleyball has junior or JO volleyball, club volleyball. It doesn't happen during the volleyball season. Ice hockey has club, uh, like triple A hockey and all that stuff, and it happens during the same time. Yeah, direct competition for, for players. And, and when it's all said and done, I've looked at it, and as a teacher and, and a coach that cares a lot about these kids, they're the ones, in my opinion, that, that are the ones that are getting punished. Because mm-hmm. even the ones that make it, they will tell you it was a huge sacrifice. My uh, my 08 Suns team uh, last year, Justin Mercier, who was a Miami player mm-hmm. and, and played with Colorado for about 10 games, he was their coach last year, and, and we had some pretty brief discussions about it. And the things he had to do to achieve the things that he did was a huge sacrifice. He went to one dance when he was up in Michigan. I think he was at Ann Arbor Pioneer, maybe, or uh, Ann Arbor Sealing, one of those schools. And he went to a dance one time up there. But other than that, he didn't have a, a traditional high school experience. He didn't go to football games. And, and so the sacrifice that you have to make uh, to, to go that other route is great. And they know it. And yeah. so I feel, I feel bad for the ones that don't make it. And maybe they don't look back on it, but you, you got you to gotta think that maybe they do it sometimes and say, I didn't do this, 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 or this, and I still didn't make it. Why didn't I, why didn't I spend a year or two in high school hockey and just have a blast with my friends and my classmates and, 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 and do all of those things? And that's what I hope to uh, get kids to think about a little bit. Right. From, you, from, from, I'm sorry. From, I just have a question. Or, uh, <clears throat> I, I like your opinion on it. In regard to the direct competition, do you think it would be a better bet to be able to dual roster in our state, similar to Pennsylvania, similar to Michigan? I don't know. From uh, from a hockey standpoint, I mean, you're still going to have to miss and make sacrifice. I get all that. But just strictly from a hockey yeah. standpoint. And then maybe there's teams out there that would allow it. I don't know that I would allow it in my personal program um, to have kids dual rostered and, uh, and trying to find out who's going to be there this weekend, who's not going to be there. And, and just – the logistics are already tough as it is. You know, I'm looking at 45 kids trying out for my team, and I was freaking out in my office the other day just looking at names, and, and you know, I'm already starting to get worried. We're two months away from tryouts or a month and a half or whatever it is, and you know, I'm trying to worry about the logistics of these kids. And now you throw in another component of, all right, well, I, I don't have to take this one all the time because I'm going to have this. You know, it could really cause a lot of things. And, what if they did it like uh, – what if they didn't – again, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm – I'm pro either side here, but what if they did it to where it was our, our, the high school league would be a weak league. Like not, I don't mean weak, like weak, not strong, but like during the week. Right. So you play in games like maybe Tuesday, Thursday nights or whatever, but then, then the league champ, and this is where we'd have to, this is where us high school coaches and the club coaches would have to work together and say, all right, your league championships are on this weekend and that weekend, please don't make those kids are not available though that weekend of travel. But to try to keep the kids like like we all spoke about here to have those opportunities if the high school league was a week league monday through thursday or sunday through thursday and then friday saturday sunday morning whatever would be their travel for their club i, I don't i mean because i do agree with you um 
you know, we have kids that sit in our classrooms and your classrooms and every day that miss every Friday or leave early every day. And it's a dream that they have to, to, that they're pursuing. And I can't, and we as coaches can't take that dream away from those kids. But at some point, you know, when they're 35 years old and they said, man, I never went to a homecoming dance or I never went to a football game or I never went to a bonfire or whatever for the team, whatever the hell it is. Uh, those are the things that maybe we now could be working on. How can we have kids do that? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think if, if you go that route, there's still going to be some of that if they're, if, if they're still taking on the weekends to go for their travels. So I don't know if that com completely corrects their experience, but it might help ours as far as, you know, if, if we're going to have 51 kids, I think, at our school this year. You know, I would, I would still like to get those other six or seven that I know are not going to try out for us. Um, right. I never try to push too hard. I, I respect everything that they're trying to do. Um, we have nice conversations, and I tell them I want them to be happy. And if that's where they're happy, you, you know, go play there. And I, I want them to do their best. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a, a dream of all of ours that every single kid that's walking around in our hallways laces them up for our high school team come, uh, come November 1st or whatever it is. Right. So uh, talk a little bit about what's on the horizon for the Wildcats this season. I promise I'll take my earphones out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we probably won't have these guys for your games against you. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we return a, a nice core of players for sure. Uh, David Crandall, he'll be a, a senior for us this year. He won player of the year as a junior last year in our conference. And uh, uh, I think widely regarded as one of the best players over in Northwest Hockey and, and maybe even in the state. Um, he returns and he'll be obviously our leader, but uh, Griffin Muir, uh, he, he's attracted some attention of some uh, some junior teams. He got drafted uh, by a junior team over here. Uh, Dougie Carter, another senior who uh, is Coach Carter's son, his last one to come through the program. So he's been around for a long time with kids and he's uh, he's got the last one coming through. So uh, those are those are three seniors we're expecting to do some great things for us on, on our forward units for sure. Can you just put a Carter on a back of someone uh, for the remaining? Because because Northview without a Carter on the on the back nameplate is not the normal Northview for the last twenty two years. Exactly, that. <laughs> Carter and the Crandall between the, yeah. uh, the Crandall right. Players, there was five of them that played from eighty one through uh, ninety three. The brothers, and then uh, we've had Drew Maisie and uh, uh, and then David that have played for us now and. There's another one that it will be coming along. Another cousin that'll be coming along next year or so. Oh, so wow. Um, between those two names, but uh, yeah, we think we have some good things in, in place, and we got numbers that are looking really strong. So um, we're gonna have a, a full JV and a full varsity squad this year, which is which is exciting for us. Uh, a lot of kids playing hockey, and, and doesn't matter what level, but uh, to make sure that we get them out there and, and seeing a lot of kids enjoying their high school experience and playing hockey, but. Uh, uh, we've got a good group of sophomores. We have um, somewhere around 15 or 16 sophomores that are uh, that are in the program, and, and many of them come off of uh, some nice North Stars or, or Cherokee teams in the areas and, uh, and bring a little bit of talent. So uh, that part of our future looks good, and, and yeah, we're looking forward to uh, just getting back out there, especially with everything that's been going on in our worlds. How ha how has the uh, pandemic protocols affected your normal summer? I'm sure it's like everyone else, but. Yeah. So uh, and we, the two tournaments were the big thing. We go over to Kent state and play in a, uh, one over there and 
Um, my daughter who graduated said, Dad, you know, I would have rather have not had my graduation than have missed out on Kent State because it's arguably their favorite weekend of the season. And so uh, we ended up Dude, well, in the, in the summertime, in the summertime, it's the rollerblade roller blade fest. Oh, yeah. And so we've had some uh, lots of road rash come out of that weekend. <laughs> they have an absolute blast over there. And uh, so we lost out on that. And uh, as Sully knows, you know, the Tamil tournament got canceled this summer as well. And that's always a nice little fun get together and, and play some hockey in the summertime. So, um, you know, those two things definitely affected us. But quite frankly, when they eliminated the 10 contact days, that allowed us to spread that uh, that season out. And we skated pretty much every Monday. And then we uh, we worked out with the team on Tuesdays and Thursdays in, in the weight room. And then uh, there's a, a nice hill over at the high school that uh, is used for sledding in the winter. And we uh, we run that thing pretty good up and down <laughs> over the uh, mornings all summer. So right. I, I, I was hoping to uh, um, if we could have had the summer showcase up at, up at the Tamil like you guys do every year. Um, my hope was, and love knows this, we, that we were going to go uh, upstairs. Uh, for those who've never been to the Tamo, there's a nice little pizza place up there, and uh, we were just—I was going to have a coach's roundtable, as we we're going to just do it live, and that was going to be our week's podcast. But um, my hope is maybe that we can do that over Thanksgiving, you know, um, when, when we're up there for the tournament there. But you know, I, I again, like you, coach, you know, we we just hope to get there, uh, you know, slowly but surely. But it is what it is. Um, Coach, can't thank you enough for coming on, spending some time with us, talking to us about uh, your upbringing, uh, a lot of your time coaching at Northview, the landscape of Northview. Really, really appreciate you talking about those two divisions Um, because as we've talked about it on the show before, that is a hot topic. We do do believe that with a couple divisions, starting with two, maybe three, that will improve the numbers of hockey and keep teams going in our state. So thank you for touching on that as well. Um, we'd love to have you back soon. Uh, we don't, if we don't talk to you soon, we'll see you uh, in a couple weeks in Thanksgiving. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys having me on and letting me uh, talk about something that I, I love a lot, which is high school there. hockey and uh, my Northview Wildcats. Thanks, guys. There you go. All right, Coach. Nice seeing you. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Go to www.teamohio.com to see the impressive list of players who have gone through the Team Ohio program and advanced on to higher levels of the game. The list speaks for itself. www.teamohio.com. Well, Jay, a great uh, couple interviews there with some interesting individuals in the state of Ohio when it comes to hockey. First talking to Patrick Metzger of Team Ohio and what his organization, where it was way back when you and I played in the the late, or I'm sorry, the early 90s. I'd like to say late 90s, but... (laughs) and how it evolved into a pre-post program instead of just a tournament team uh, that you and I knew. Uh, so it was good to talk to Pat and where his program's coming. Yeah, he, uh, he took an opportunity, and he's in the process of, of, of trying to improve hockey in Ohio, giving another, as he said, another option. Um, it's, it's a polarizing, or po- yeah, polarizing conversation because – there are a lot of people that are don't know the facts of what Coach Metz is doing, and they tend to speak ill of the program, and I think that's not fair. Now, it, take away the fact of who knows who and what knows what. What he's doing is good. It really, really is. And 
it is in competition with others. And but there's always been competition in in the city of Cleveland and the state of Ohio. He's doing good things. He's he's bringing about an avenue of higher level hockey for these players, and he's doing a bang up job. I mean, he really is to be in the same building as them, to see them on a daily basis, and they're doing a great job. And and Mets is doing it the right way. And then we had a chance to talk to Mr. Steve Elliott, who is the head, who is the head coach of the Northview Wildcats. Uh, talk to us a little bit about where his program was. He's been there 20 years. Where it is today, uh, where it's going. Uh, surely sounds like he's got uh, some nice lineage in the program coming up. Uh, but uh, I think you brought it up best in the interview. When you play a Northview hockey team, you know what you're going into. And, and, that isn't that's a kind of an impressive thing that they have kept going because you, you know this as well as I do, Jay. You could have a team for three, four years that's a hard nose, in your face, fourth checking team, but then the next group of kids that come up may not have that grit in them, and they're more finesse players or whatever. Northview, since I can remember when, and that's a long time, they are in your face, hard grinding team, year in, year out. The culture of that team is instilled into those players from day one. You hit it on the head with the culture. I mean, you look at, you look at in the history of the Toledo region, you got the BGs who are the same way. You have Northview who, like you said, and we've both experienced, it is the same style of hockey, whether it was back in, what do you say, 78, 79 to today. Yeah. It is the same brand. It's amazing that you can continually have that, and that speaks – to the strength of leadership to maintain that culture, be it Coach Cooper for however many years, a, a boatload, and then Mike Jones coming in and instilling it again and continuing it on and growing it. And now Coach Elliott, who was a part of both those regimes, and, and now at the helm, I know he's been at the helm for about five years or so, but he's carrying it right on, and it, they don't miss a beat. And I, I do want to say that he is a lot mellower today. Yeah. Than when, than when we normally see him. He's much more laid back than I know him to be. So it was, uh, again, another wonderful conversation with a, another good man doing good things in the state. Absolutely, for sure. It was nice talking to both those guys today. And Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that will put a bow on the Deuce Deuce, the Double Deuce 22, episode 22 of On Air. We'd like to thank our guests from Team Ohio Hockey, Mr. Patrick Metzger, and from Northview High School, Mr. Steve Elliott. Check us out next week. Hopefully Dan has internet by then when we'll have more interesting guests making the world of hockey better. You can find the on-air podcast www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes and archives as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continue to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.